Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is July the 18th, and our passage for today is Haggai chapter 2. Hog Samaich. Hog Samaich, a festive, joyous festival or holiday. This is the way that they're greeted. That's the name Haggai. Hag. It's the word for a festival. For a time that was set aside, certainly, like his name, Haggai was set aside. As we learned in the podcast yesterday, Haggai was prophesying at a critical time in the life of the people of God that had gathered back into the land from the Judean captivity. It was a time when people were discouraged You see, they had come back into the land. 50,000 had gathered back and laid the foundation of the temple. But because of the people of the land and the discouragement and because of the kind of thing that goes on everywhere, anytime God is moving, there is always opposition. And it discouraged the people from following God for 14 years. That's right. More than a decade, almost a decade and a half, the people of God were passive concerning the will of God. God had brought them back into the land not to build their own houses. Oh, that was part of it. But God brought them back into the land of their forefathers to rebuild the great worship center, a worship center where God would be central in all of their lives and the people from all over the earth that call themselves Jews would come together to worship the true and the living God. Now, certainly, it was not the kind of splendorous temple that Solomon had built. It did not have all the pomp and circumstance at the dedication, but still it was going to be something that would honor God. And so the people gathered together listening to the prophet Haggai and then his contemporary Zechariah as they preached the word of God and admonished the people to come together and do the great work that God had given them. The scripture says in chapter 2 in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? You see, there were people there that had remembered. They had been young, yes, but they remembered the spectacular nature and the glory and the splendor, the pure splendor of Solomon's temple. It was incredible to behold. Just the description of it is more than the mind can fathom. And so God asked the question through the prophet Haggai, how many of you have seen the temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work 
for I am with you. Now think about that. God said, I'm with you. I know you're discouraged. I know that it is not what it once was, but it is what I want. So I want you to work. I want you to get with it. I want you to quit moaning and groaning and complaining and get with it. You see, God is trying to teach his people if they will quit moaning and groaning and griping about what they don't have, roll up their sleeves and begin to do something about their lot, God would be with them if they would just obey. And indeed, he was. And he says, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I made a covenant with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. It is not by power. It is not by might. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. More to speak on that later. He said, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all the nations. They will come to the house of God. They will come to seek the God of heaven. He said, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now think about this. These people were there and they were looking at the temple and they knew that it was nothing of what it was with Solomon's building compared to this one. And as a matter of fact, we'll see when they dedicated the temple in 516, four years after this message, that many that were there wept because they remembered the former temple and how great it was. And now they're looking at this, which was very lacking in splendor, compared to the first. But yet God says the glory of this latter temple, this is what verse 9 says, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. How could this be? Well, the answer is it's because God himself in the flesh would walk in the temple. That's right. Because you see, when Jesus came to earth, he came as the God man. Now, our little finite brains cannot get a hold of this. Our minds cannot comprehend it. How could it be? I cannot tell you how God could become a man, how he could be impregnated within the womb of a virgin. How could this be? Well, it would have to be supernatural. And if indeed he is of his father who is supernatural, almighty God, and his mother is natural, a human being, then he would have to get his humanity from the mother and his deity from the father. That wouldn't mean that he's half God, half man. That means he would be all God and all man, yet without a sin nature. Because you see, it's through Adam that all die. The sin nature is passed on through the man. So therefore, all of us are born into sin. That means all of us are born with a nature, with an inclination, with a propensity to sin. That means no one has to teach us to be bad. We're just bad to the bone. No one has to teach us to do evil. We know how to do evil. And pardon the phrase, we're good at it. You see, we practice it. 
And as soon as we can choose evil, we will, every person will, your child, my child, you and I will all choose evil, and we have. And we will. But the Lord Jesus was like the second Adam. And he had an opportunity as Adam blew it and sinned and fell short and the entire human race was plunged into sin and everyone who was born into Adam was born under the curse. And the way you're born into Adam's family is by a physical, natural water birth. But you see... To be a part of the family of God is supernatural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. How do we become part of God's family? How do we become in Christ, in Messiah? We do that by being born from above, born again, and having a spiritual birth. Then we can claim the great spiritual promises of the covenant that God made with Abraham as a covenant with his people. And so this is the great mystery concerning the faith. Abraham was justified not by law, not by the works of righteousness that he had done, but he was justified by trusting God in his provision, his word, taking God at his word that God would take care of the sin problem. Now, this is just the truth of the good news itself, that Jesus came, died on the cross to pay the penalty for man's sins once and for all. You say, well, that takes man out of it. No, a man has to repent of his sin, place his trust and his faith in the Lord Jesus to be saved. That's our part is to trust God. Our part is to repent. Our part is to turn to God. It is God's part to pay for our sins. You and I keeping the law, if we kept the law from this day forward, the rest of our days, It would not be enough to take away our sin, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, why am I getting into this? It's because the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. And the reason is the Shekinah, what we call the Shekinah or Shekinah, the Shekinah, the very visible presence in a cloud of God himself rested upon the former temple. But God himself would step out of heaven into the space-time continuum that we live in. He would take on the form of a servant. He would become a man. He would live a perfect life, which Adam did not do, die to pay not for his own sins, but for ours. And for all who are in Christ Jesus, by trusting him, they become part of the family of God and are redeemed. That's God's great plan of salvation. And the Bible says this is how that the place where God is worshipped becomes a place of shalom, of peace. It is only in Jesus that we have shalom. Now, I know some people don't like to hear this. I know some people say, well, you're very exclusive in this, saying that Jesus is the only way. I didn't say that, friend. Jesus did. And either he's mistaken, and if he's mistaken, he's not God at all. And if he's not God at all, he's not a good moral teacher. He's not someone we need to be following. He's a charlatan. He's the biggest liar that ever lived. He's the biggest deceiver that ever lived. He's insane. He's a lunatic. Or he may be who he said he was. The Bible teaches that he is God Almighty, God walking. 
And if it is God walking, then God stepped out of eternity into time and walked on Mount Moriah. He walked in the temple, the second temple, not the first. He walked in the second temple as a man, as the God-man. And that is what makes the second temple greater than the former temple. It's astonishing that the scripture says that God did that for you and for me and to vindicate his own word and the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, God promised his presence. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, God showed his preeminent power. Chapter 4 of the prophet Zechariah that we will be in tomorrow, and verse 10 says that you and I do not need to despise the day of small things. You see, it seemed like a very small thing to lay the foundation of the temple. It seemed like a very small thing to build that temple. But because they built that temple, the people of God had a rallying point. And just a few hundred years later, the Son of God walked in that temple, fulfilling the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a blessing to me. I hope it is to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.